Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Seeds and Weeds podcast, brought to you by Small House Farm. If you're looking to celebrate plants and the people that love them, then this is the podcast for you. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Bevan Cohen. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. On today's episode, we are back with another round of Ask an Herbalist, and this time, we're sitting down with herbalist and educator Demetria Clark. Y'all have sent in some really interesting questions, and Demetria and I had a great conversation. Super fun and super informative, so we're just going to jump right into it. Demetria Clark is a best-selling author, director of Birth Arts International, and founder of the Heart of Herb School, which has introduced thousands of interesting students to the world of herbs since first opening in 1998. Today, Demetria will be answering your questions in another segment of Ask an Herbalist. Hello, Demetria. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. So to get us started, could you just tell us a little bit about who you are and the work that you do as an herbalist? Yeah, so I'm Demetria Clark and I run Heart of Herbs Herbal School. And I started this endeavor when I was pregnant with my first child 26 years ago at the age of... 20. So it was something that I always knew that I wanted to do. And so one thing morphed into another. And I ended up probably being the youngest herbal school owner in the country and the first one online. Um, because I started all this when the internet was very new. <laughs> so I, I've been online for 26 years, teaching in one way or another and selling products online. Uh, so today we're going to do a segment that we call Ask an Herbalist. Now, this is where uh, aspiring and novice herbalists and maybe some of our more herb curious friends uh, send in their questions to be answered by a more experienced herbal practitioner. So our first question for you today is what herbs do you find that you most commonly use at home for yourself and for your family? To be completely honest, the herbs that are used most in my house are culinary herbs because I cook every meal myself. So we use a lot of culinary herbs like garlic and oregano and basil. And I'm really infatuated right now with tarragon. I watched something during the lockdown when we were all binging television and it, it, this person just kept uh, using tarragon and all these dishes. And I fell in love with tarragon again. So I think that's the one I'm like most excited about right now, if that even makes any sense, because we don't think about culinary herbs as being like really super powerful medicine. And so we're in the middle of everything that was going on and everyone's stress levels are high and people are worried about jobs and money and all this stuff. And then this herb just kind of dropped in my lap again and just wanted to like get down and snuggle. And I'm like, wow, I guess right now, I mean, to be completely honest, it's all about culinary healing in my house. My youngest is like a firefighter. And so he's a high stress job. My oldest has a really high stress job too. So it's like kind of thinking about things like, okay, how do we, how do we serve our community by supporting the people that take care of our community and putting great stuff in food is something that I've always always loved to do. And I feel that's like one of the ultimate ways to heal and connect. So 
it's definitely got to be culinary, garlic, ginger, clove, you know, anything that I can get my hands on. So I love, I love recipes that just use all of that. I love knowing like if someone's coming down with something, like I've got a secret weapon. That's where I spend a lot of time thinking about the health of my family, because first and foremost, we grow most of our food. We like do all that ourselves. So the herbs are just like an extension of that. What we bring into our body affects us completely from the way we're feeling inside to the way we interact and handle stress and sleep. And so right now I'm in love with tarragon. I love this answer. You know, when we think of herbs or, you know, what's the herb that you most commonly use or the, what the question was, we, you know, our mind might immediately go to medicinal herbs, but I love that we went with culinary herbs with your answer, because that highlights that point that what we eat, like you said, is just as important as the medicine that we take. The food is medicine and that we can utilize these herbs in our daily life to maintain good health and have delicious food. Yeah. So my first thought was like, what's something that's really like cool and sexy right now? And then I'm like, that's not you. Tarragon is very sexy. So our next question is from Erica Riley in Indianapolis. And Erica asks, what are some herbs that you recommend for women's health? And does this change? These recommendations change throughout the stages of a woman's life? So... Yeah. Okay. It's a big question. It's a huge, it's ginormous. So I think part of the reason why it feels incredibly ginormous is that if you look at some research that's even done in drugs that are made for women, a lot of them are tested on dudes. Really? Yeah. Like, so like a breast cancer drug was tested on men. Like that was like this trial was, it was a while ago that this was done and hopefully they've changed this stuff. But I think we take women's health issues and we like condense them. It's like, boom, period pain. You know, it's just like everything gets like pregnancy, boom, menopause, boom. And I think that we do this for men too. I mean, I think there's like what, maybe two herbal books out there that address men's health issues. So, I mean, we do this to men too. So I, I can say the things that I like to use the most, but it's so individual because I think part of healing pain that people experience in their reproductive systems and in their bodies or discomfort also has to do with their full history. And I'm not just talking about their health history. I'm talking about how they think about and treat their body. Like I always, like when I'm talking to students about, you know, business or, or whatever other aspects that I teach about, I'm like, you can look in the mirror and no one else on the planet can insult you like you. And that's how we sometimes think about our bodies and our reproductive system. So if we're having cramps, it's not something that is necessarily out of balance. It's like our body's not being right. You know, like it's always like these things like trying to correct and to get into right instead of saying, okay, what's going on here? Because even siblings who have the same mother and father can have very different female health problems, but we do kind of tend to condense them. So I just kind of stick with red raspberry. I love red raspberry. I love it as a root. I love it as a leaf. I love it as a fruit. You know, I always joke, it's the shape of a uterus. But if you like raspberries and you eat a raspberry fruit, what happens? You have this explosion in your mouth and you smile, right? So like you're giving some good energy to your reproductive system. The tea tastes lovely. It can be used for, you know, a myriad of issues from, you know, PMS to irritability, drinking it in pregnancy to help, you know, have toning contractions that will assist you in having a stronger uterus when the time comes birth, it's really good. Afterwards, postpartum, it's really 
really lovely, you know, during menopause. And then another one I like is nettles because I feel like everything needs a nutritional component. I think that we have to build stuff up. I used to stack blocks with my kids when they were little. We'd stack things like really, really high. And we would always say if it fell over, it was because it didn't have a good base. And then we started taking that from if you're not feeling good, there's something missing in your base. There's something missing in your foundation. And and so it just kind of became this thing with me that I was going to stop looking at women as having something wrong instead of how are we going to fill in these gaps? You know, how can we rebuild you? And so I think both of those herbs, along with oats, are just phenomenal rebuilders and vitalizers, and they offer nutritional support. They offer nervous system support, vitamin support. They're all really good for a woman's reproductive system. And then, you know, then there's things like uh, ashwagandha and maca that are good adaptogens to help with other issues that are going on, especially as we get closer to menopause and, and winding down the cycle of having children. I love it. Okay. Andy Kay from Liberty City asks, How can a new herbalist develop experience and connection with plants if they don't have the time or space to grow any herbs? So I think a lot of people feel like, well, I can't be, I can't do herbalism because I don't have a huge farm. I don't have a garden or I, everything I put in a pot dies. And that's not true. We have so many ways to really connect with plants that aren't just us growing them from seed or finding them in our, you know, our own 400 acre pasture. You know, I I wish. So go to botanical gardens, go to city parks. I mean, most parks um, or nature preserves or things like that in cities will have things like trees labeled. They'll have different kinds of plants labeled. Get your field guide out. If you're, you know, there's this park that I used to take my kids to and um, they would practice. They were playing football at the time and they would practice their stuff in this big flat field. And I would just roll down the hill like a little kid. Just roll down the hill and chill out and look at what was, you know, um, wow, I'm really admitting my goofiness here. But I would, I would just like, kind of get up on my elbows and I would look down and say, what's underneath me? So it'd be like grass, clover, sometimes chickweed, sometimes, you know, a dandelion and just kind of like, look at what's in front of us and what's available to us. So connect with what's in your yard, connect with, you know, if you don't have a yard, what's in your common areas at your apartment complex? If there's not that, what's in the city park? What's at the botanical gardens? Um, There's also garden clubs that people can join and almost every city has some kind of garden club. So you could even be like, I'm not really into planting, you know, the perfect little, you know, like petunia patterns, but I'd love to join the garden club. And I want to learn more about native plants and how important native plants are, or, you know, even on the, the department of transportation. And I'm not saying jump out of your car on the highway, but, you know, they're starting to plant a lot of uh, native wildflowers in between the highways and just kind of look at those kind of things and say, okay, this is nature around me. This is how I can make a connection, volunteering at places. So, if you live in an area where there's like um, some kind of a historical monument or something like that, they're often looking for volunteers to work in the garden or give garden tours. There's all kinds of things that you can do that'll really connect you with plants on a different level. And here's the cool thing. You're going to connect with people maybe you wouldn't normally connect with. So some of my greatest teachers in, in plant medicine have not necessarily been herbalists. So I think that like that kind of making those kind of off side connections are really going to help you too. And 
just kind of always paying attention. Have a field guide in your car. I mean, my kids can attest to this. You know, there was like two field guides, binoculars, and um, back in the day, a camera. And I would always, you know, like we'd go on a hike and I'd take pictures. Even when you're in the city, there are places where nature is all around you. You know, just kind of like open yourself to nature finding you and you finding it and it's everywhere. I love it. I love it. So this next question is from Aaron Keller from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Aaron wants to know, what advice do you have for new herbalists when things just aren't working out? How do we overcome the struggles of starting a new journey? Um, Your first cake is probably going to fall. There's going to be a recipe where you add salt instead of sugar. You're going to screw up. You're going to make an herbal medicine and realize I didn't add enough liquid or there was too much water left in my herbs and I have mold and that's okay. It's going to happen. And you may get really upset with yourself, but here's the thing. You don't have to. You're learning from every single thing you do right and every single thing you do wrong. So if you're starting an herbal business and you're just feeling like it's not going forward, don't don't give up on yourself. Don't let the words of other people or influences of the outside world tell you what success is and how you're successful. I remember when I first started, I got some really nasty emails and I never ever used to talk about this, but I have been in like the last year being like, women shouldn't be on the internet. You're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, herbalism is only for people like blah, blah, blah. Not like, you know, mamas sitting at home with their kids. You know, there was all these things. And if I had let that their words in, you can't teach herbalism online. That was when I got a lot. I was told I was disgusting and ruining the industry. That was some of the words that people use. And if I had listened to them, if I listened to what they said, I would have completely not done anything. Often when people are struggling with their company, they're trying to model themselves after someone else instead of being like, what is it that I really want to offer? You know, I think the thing is, is that, you know, you really, it's okay choose to struggle and figure out exactly where you fit and where your people are. If you keep working and you keep trying and you believe in yourself and you believe in the product that you're putting out there and you're being ethical and kind and compassionate, then there's a good chance that your people are going to find you and it's going to start to snowball around you. Yeah. You know, it's so important, I think, just to remember just to be gentle with ourselves and allow that space for mistakes. Like you said, sometimes through mistakes, we can do some of our, our best learning. Oh, yeah. Demetria, our final question today for Ask an Herbalist, what is your favorite weed? <laughs> um, I guess it depends. I mean, honestly, in some ways, my favorite weed is Camellia Sinesis because I love, I love black tea. But I mean, my favorite weed is probably the one I need that's in front of me. I don't fixate on or necessarily always have one that I use for everything or love for everything. I think for me, part of it is always like trying to figure out. So right now I'm really enamored with tarragon, but I also love exploring things that we don't traditionally think of as herbs too, like chocolate or coffee. Like I like to think about what they can do for people. I really love bitter herbs. I love, I guess I love dandelion all the time. I'm a big 
like greens person. I love them. I love the way they look. I love the way they taste. I love them, you know, in teas. I love them, you know, for healing. And so I guess I can't answer. It's hard to pick a favorite, isn't it? But that's okay. That's okay. We still appreciate you taking the time to answer everybody's questions, Demetria. So how do folks that want to connect with you find you online? What are your links? Heartofherbs.com. And that's our herbal school. I also run a doula training organization called birtharts.com. And we've been training doulas and um, working to hopefully change the infant and maternal mortality statistics in the United States since 2000 and Heart of Herbs kind of gave birth to birth arts. It actually funded birth arts into being because I wouldn't have been able to start a company without having an income um, to live off of and feed my kids with. So that's like why my books kind of focus around those kind of topics, families and family health and healing. Pretty much if you type in Demetria Clark, you're going to find me. And when we look for you online, we'll be able to find links to get your books as well. Yeah. Yeah. So and you can like find them at Powell's and Amazon and Barnes and Noble also. Demetria Clark, thank you again for being on the podcast. That was great. Oh, thank Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I'm so excited. I love looking at all the things you're doing. So I can't wait to just continue to watch your your career grow. Thank you again. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. And that brings us to the end of the show, my friends. Big thanks once again to Demetria Clark for joining us. And thanks to all of you that submitted your questions. If you enjoyed today's show, remember, you can always support this podcast by subscribing to our Patreon. And that link and many more can be found at seedsandweedspodcast.com. The music you're listening to right now is Tiger Rag by the Friar Society Orchestra. I'm Bevan Cohen, and we'll see you next time. Howdy friends, Bevan here. You know, the Seeds and Weeds podcast is made possible in part by Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company, rareseeds.com. They're America's top source for rare and heirloom varieties from around the world, and they're publisher of the whole seed catalog. Their 2024 catalog is chocked full of heirloom goodness, new varieties, recipes, stories, and gorgeous photographs. You can order yours now at rareseeds.com.